Hello and welcome to The Terror Test. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And as fans of horror, our goal is to weigh the merits of films based on three categories, production, monster quality, and scare factor, to decide whether to admit them into our sacred horror canon. In this podcast, we will put horror movies to the test to determine what to watch next, what's worth revisiting, and what to recommend to the uninitiated. Number two pencils ready? And begin. Well, John, it looks like we have ourselves a maniac on the loose. <laughs> it's showtime. <laughs> it's, so this week we were reviewing, uh, we did a draw from the hat from Friday the 13th because, as you know, this episode airs on Friday the 13th. Yes, happy and, Friday the 13th to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and we have the original. Uh, we actually drew that one, which I'm really glad. That we got yeah. this, that one in the mix. Yeah. It turned out a lot better than our Hellraiser one did, I think. I think so. In half. And then the second one we're watching, uh, we watched Friday the 13th, 5, The New Beginning. Is that a what? New Beginning. A New Beginning. Yes. Um, so that's on the docket today. Yes. So we're going to start with the original. Yes. Okay. This is um, the 1980 uh, film directed by Sean S. Cunningham, written by... Sean S. Cunningham and Ron Kurz, starring Adrian King as Alice and Betsy Palmer as Mrs. Voorhees, and very young Kevin Bacon as Jack. Foxy Bacon in this one. Lots <laughs> yeah. of bacon booty in this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's start with production. Okay, in production, we're looking to see that the film is timeless in the power and effectiveness of its writing, direction, acting, cinematography, special effects, iconography, and portrayal of its subject matter. Um, I think, so I think the first time, if, if somebody's going to watch this for the first time and I hadn't seen this, well, no, I watched it last year. I watched it last Halloween. Oh, okay. Um, I'll usually watch a Friday the 13th, um, at least once a year. Um, but I'd actually watched it and I just forgot how much I really liked the production of it. It's really simple, but it's yeah. also, I feel like it does a lot with color more than I expected. Maybe I just picked up on mm. it this time because in the beginning there's a lot of green Mm -hmm. happening and i uh talked about this with um friend also who was on the the show earlier um steve mcclurg um who noticed the same thing that there is a lot of that sort of like green like nubile feel mm -hmm. and everything's sort of bright in the beginning and at the end it's just you know, dark rainy like you would right. expect right the thing so i like that part of it yeah I, cinematography i liked it as well um it feels fresh in a way that mm -hmm. a lot of slasher movies don't and of course this movie is a ripoff of halloween mm -hmm. um but this movie has also influenced many ripoffs um of of, of its own and um and, and so there's something about this that that still feels fresh like the characters don't feel like they're as stereotypical as we see in right later it, movies you would think that something's a ripoff it would like hold so firmly in like the various tropes yeah of the genre but this one really like redefines a lot of them so yeah. i got the sense of that too is that even though it's so iconic and it's you know the, the writers are quoted as saying that they wanted to do a ripoff of Halloween. Yeah. Um, it did. It felt really fresh in a lot of ways. Uh, 
thinking of that in terms of like the writing, um, I think, do you think it's the setting that does that? Like, what is it that gives off that vibe of it feeling new? Um, I think some of it, honestly, is having characters that are likable. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody is really a terrible person, right? I mean, there's the older shirtless guy who <laughs> hits on Alice. Um, but he's like a dork. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. He's not... He's not creepy, I guess. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's that they're, they don't, even though now looking back, we can say they're stock characters. Mm-hmm. I, they don't feel like stock characters. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. They feel like they're really like, they're, they're actually young mm-hmm. teenagers who want to have fun, want to <laughs> have a good time. Sexy fun. At yeah. The end of the lake. Um, yeah. So I think that we, I mean, we could chalk that up to, to writing also special effects mm-hmm. um i don't know most of the effects don't hold up that well that's true i mean like um i'm thinking like the one that comes to mind is the one where it's like the guy gets the arrow in the throat yeah um it looks kind of dated it does yeah his face is a very different color than yeah the fake body so it yeah it doesn't hold up it I mean, when I was a kid watching this, it was really scary. Mm-hmm. But this time, yeah, those it, it was really showing its age. I mean, just compared to like what, because we can't blame it on it being on the on the quality of the effects being the like early '80s because we saw like in Shivers, for example, yeah, um, the potential really effects, cool in, effects in the mid '70s. So yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it was the people they had on it or, or like who to point the finger at or whatever, yeah. but I just feel like that kind of fell flat mm-hmm. in a lot of places for me. But what I did like about those effects and the kill scenes is that they actually show it where, yeah. where that was my, well, not my biggest, but one of the complaints from five is that mm-hmm. it's a lot of cutaway stuff. It like shows yeah. the stabbing, it shows the instrument, but it doesn't actually show the kill, which mm-hmm. I feel like is what these movies are known for. Yeah. There's a certain, sense of glee from yeah. the kills in this movie yeah that's fun and they're all and, and we can get to this maybe with scare factor and monster quality but i feel like each kill and watching this movie having read parts of men women and chainsaws and thinking about it with that lens of uh of gender uh-huh like i feel like all the kills then have these symbols in them mm-hmm. within the way even with the, the bow and arrow like there's so many phalluses yeah in this movie um which we can get into in a minute but i don't know do you feel like you want to give it a point yeah i do uh, for the reasons that we said um as far as likability of characters although i will say the townspeople are very one-dimensional <laughs> like crazy ralph yes you're all doomed <laughs> <laughs> but that's all but i feel like that is what makes it iconic is yeah you have like well i almost i totally got sucked into this trap thinking oh man this is gonna be like female version of the hero's journey with the hitchhiker character oh until she dies like yeah. with the old man like kind of being that like the prophet or like the wise old man mm-hmm. encountered the beginning of the journey that kind of idea it's like oh man like i'm really gonna see this and then she dies <laughs> yeah they definitely set her up early on to seem like she's 
the hero. Yeah, going to be the final girl. And so I, I really like kind of what you were saying earlier about, you know, we see tropes here of the slasher movie. Uh, but even though this is such an early slasher movie, um, these tropes are sub- subverted in totally. an interesting way, like with the hitchhiker, um, like with um, the killer, Mrs. Voorhees. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I, I want to give it a point. Yeah, I think I want to give it a point, and I didn't mention this before. Really what drives me is that I love the soundtrack of this movie. Oh, yeah, of um, It's so purposeful. Uh, it's so reminiscent of Psycho. And even though... I don't know if you want to call it a ripoff or homage, but I think it works. I love it. Um, the beginning yeah. sounds also the like iconic, you know, like kill, 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 kill. Mm. Mom, mom, mom. Yeah. Um, that part, which I didn't know until I think it was either we were talking or you told me that that was like kill. Um, that 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 sound is supposed to be like kill her mommy or something or kill her. Mommy yeah, or yeah. It's supposed to That's be. What the composer said allegedly. Yeah, it's it's what's supposed to be like what's going on in Mrs. Voorhees' head. Right. Like her son Jason is, you know, telling her, kill mm-hmm. her. And once you know that, you do hear the kill, 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 kill. Yeah. And the ma part, which is what ticks me off about number five because it, the ma is no longer an M, it's a D. It sounds like kill, 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 die, die, die. Hmm. It doesn't, it sounds different. Yeah. I don't so, know. So, anyway. So, yeah, I want to give it a point. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get to monster quality then. So the film's monsters are frightening, clearly relate to archetypal fears, and have depth. I think in terms of archetypal fears, we have the woods again. Um, We have that stalker Mm -hmm. character, sort of like the, what do you want to call it? The, um, uh, like that unstoppable force, the idea that, you know, um, there's not much you can do to combat the evil. It's unfeeling, yeah, unemotional. Mm-hmm. At least from the from and, our perspective, yeah. And we get the killer's perspective in this, which is really cool too. We do, we do. Um, I think it was used a little more effectively in Black Christmas, yeah, only because we never really got a sense of who Billy was in Black Christmas, where here. I know I know fans of this movie love the Mrs. Voorhees character, but once she is revealed to be the killer, she becomes such an incompetent killer. Yeah. Um because throughout the whole movie you have this unknown person who is just being super stealthy and mm-hmm. intelligent and killing people. Surgical like Yeah. And um, and then once it's revealed, she just forgets how to kill, apparently, <laughs> yeah. because then she just is like slapping Alice and uh, <laughs> falling over herself. And it just it becomes it, it loses a lot of its yeah. power. And so I feel like um, the movie near the end, it, it kind of fails um, in, in, in its original setup of, of this killer. Um, this unstoppable stalker. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it, the end ruins that a little bit. But then in return for that, you do get, you know, the the mother losing a son. I was going to say, like, yeah, if we think about, like, the figurative monsters um, in here, I think those are really powerful. Whether you want to look at it from, like, the mother's perspective, 
like seeing those teens as the monsters is like mm-hmm. it goes back and forth. And this is another thing I was talking to Steven about was, okay, so who are the kids supposed to represent? Who are the townspeople supposed to represent? And he had a good argument that, um, <clears throat> and it'd be interesting who you decide who to root for, but that the kids are supposed to represent sort of like liberalism, like hippie mm. movement. And uh-huh. whereas the adults there, and also then Jason Voorhees mom represents sort of like the Reagan era conservatives trying to like squash out um, <clears throat> the, like the liberalism, like through the kids, because mm. they're all about like sex, drugs and rock and roll. And they're trying to squish that out. But what's interesting about that read on it is that, Thinking, and I don't think fans in the theaters were necessarily thinking this while they were cheering on the killer, but it's mm-hmm. almost like if you think about an audience cheering on Jason, they're mm-hmm. cheering on like conservatism. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's interesting. I, I I definitely get that idea of the teens being kind of reckless, careless, mm-hmm. hippies, whatever. Um, but since this came out in 1980, I believe that was before reagan was president right yeah but i think that conservative movement okay um started in the early 80s i don't we would have to check that that's a that's a really good point i mean i don't think it was in full swing but but i think you could read it the other way too where this is supposed so even though that's what it looks like conservatives squashing out liberals maybe it's i don't want to call it a parody but maybe it's trying to be a satire about that whole idea. Hmm. Well, I mean, there's going back to men, women, and chainsaws, you know, there's the trope of the final girl. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has become, I think the commonly understood read of the final girl trope to be something where the final girl is, the virgin who uh, abstains from sex and because she's pure and um, not distracted by sex, that she's the survivor. Mm-hmm. And I know that in Men, Women, and Chainsaws, Carol Clover, she had a much more complicated uh, definition of the final girl. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's sort of what it has morphed into. Mm-hmm. in a way and and so that idea of the final girl like based on the popular read is kind of this conservative notion right well and, and i think that what i like about how she complicates that is she she introduces that problem of the final girl where um you know it's supposed to represent sort of this like uh feminist hold on like the problem like yay women take charge mm-hmm. but her the problem she introduces is that they can only do that by becoming like, I don't know, this is a word masculinized by like taking up some sort of um, like masculine role or even like some sort of phallus Mm -hmm. uh, like symbolically. So like when she takes up, is it the machete she uses first or is it the, or baseball bat? Um, I can't remember what she uses first, but that's definitely how she kills Mrs. Voorhees with the machete. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's sort of that's how she starts to take charge and that's what i was talking about before with all the different weapons even like when the, the guy on the archery range like mm-hmm. almost shoots that girl with the bow and arrow yeah like yeah hitting the target yeah shooting the arrow uh um, i mean there's there's a lot of 
penetration, yeah. right? These phallic weapons literally penetrating the body. Yes. And of females. Yeah. And and so then and another argument that she makes in in this book is that the killer then who is traditionally male mm-hmm. um is is in a way a, a feminine male. Mm-hmm. Um that there's something wrong with with him that is in essence feminine in nature and so that is why the killer kills because his his gender is confused confused yeah Yeah. which which then for the final girl is like taking control of that or ownership of that i guess yeah it's still the masculine defeating the feminine right yeah so it, it just it, it it was really interesting reading this book and then watching this movie. Um, now, of course, Mrs. Voorhees, the killer, is a woman, right? And so that's where we were talking about, like the trope just gets yeah, like turned it, on it is subverting it. Um, but you know, we still have the killer for throughout most of the movie using these <clears throat> phallic weapons to mm-hmm. man. Kill. So it has death. <laughs> that we're it does. Also- that's it does, and that that, but that's why I love this movie so much is because I don't know. Well, I, I I can't say I don't know if the creators, if this depth was intentional. I mean, I can't say. What have you read? Probably not. Right, but I think not. But I mean, it it relies on these these archetypes that are so ingrained in our culture that. Um, we understand them and they, even if it's subconsciously, they, they understood them enough to know that they work and it's in the movie. Yeah. I, and that's the thing too, is that I, I like the pacing of the movie too. Yeah. Um, the kill scenes are generally creative and quick and it just jumps right into the story. I, yeah. So I got to give it a point. Yeah. I'm going to give it a point too. Cool. So we're going to look at Scare Factor. The film has a clear intent to scare and must be successful in that objective from beginning to end. So, um... This one was hard for me. For Scare Factor? Yeah. In the beginning, it was really scary. Like I said, the music had, like, a profound effect on me this time. And it was scary, but like you said, it sort of peters out whenever... You, whenever it's the reveal that Mrs. Voorhees is the killer, yeah, um, and things sort of slow down in a way. Yeah, although I will say that one of the most effective scenes is the fake out ending. Yeah, with Jason coming out of the lake. Yeah, um, and so I think that's effective. So mm-hmm. we have, you know, something at the end, and we have. I would I would agree with you. The first half or two-thirds uh they're pretty effective um but yeah just that that whole part with mrs Voorhees just didn't really do much for me so yeah. I, I don't know which way to go on this i it's so hard to tell if it's scary according to our definition because it's something that we're re-watching it's also something that has become 
so now it's become so cliche. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because like of a modern reading of it, then it then becomes not scary. Well, yeah. So I, I think cliche hurts, right? In that department, I'm going to say yes because I mean, when I'm if I'm out hiking in the woods, I be, I am scared of somebody being in the woods in part because of this movie. Also okay. because of like what we talked about the, the natural like archetypes of the woods that you know elicits fear in us as human beings mm-hmm. it's there um but i'm not necessarily worried about like say bigfoot out there <laughs> like i'm worried yeah. about a jason Voorhees. yeah like that's but what jason Voorhees isn't in this no but i mean like that character somebody with a knife yeah a machete mm-hmm. okay do you feel like that maybe it's, it's more scary as the series goes on? So once it is really Jason Voorhees, I'd like to think so. I mean, it's it's been so long since I've watched the the entirety of this series. Um, I, I I really look forward to seeing Friday the Thirteenth with Jason mm-hmm. um, again. So I I don't know. We just gotta think know. too. I mean. Giving you a point is, is going to determine whether it's canonical. Can we say that Friday the 13th should be in the canon? I feel like it ought to be, but that's not why we put things in the canon. I know, but, <laughs> <clears throat> I, I, but I think that... Oh, man, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can make another argument for why it's scary or how it's scary. I think... Without, I think part of the scare factor, like you said, is the the ending. Um, what it what, what do you call the ending? Where it's where it is, it reaches up. What do we call it? Like the um, the the callback or like the surprise where he like reaches up, yeah, and grabs. So with that, and also with the the twist and the reveal that in fact it is Mrs. Voorhees that's mm-hmm. killing. I think that part. Had I been watching this the first time, where if you talk to somebody, it's like talking to somebody who doesn't know that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's dad, yeah. and they see that part for the first time, mm-hmm. I feel like you would have that same reaction in this. Yeah. Yeah, I think but I guess would. that's not scary. I, I, I'm inclined to give it a point okay. because of, uh, of what you've been saying, and and it does make me, you know, as I'm kind of thinking back through the kills, like, yeah, they're they're pretty unsettling, even mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if some of the effects don't hold up. Um, I think I think there's enough there mm-hmm. to give it a point. So I'll, I'll cave in. <laughs> I'm gonna cave in. <laughs> okay, so we've got Friday the Thirteenth. In the, in the canon. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, let's talk about Friday the 13th, Part 5, A, a New, new beginning. beginning. Now, this was released in 1985, uh, directed by Danny Steinman, written by Martin Kitrosser, David Cohen, and Danny Steinman, starring John Shepard as Tommy, and a uh, cameo by Corey Feldman as young Tommy. So let's get into production. Let's not. And let's <laughs> let's start by talking about Tommy and Young Tommy, because now now we haven't done part four for this podcast, but 
it, it's presumed that these movies take place in the present day, unless there's a flashback, yeah. right? And like that, the very beginning of Friday the 13th, there's a flashback. Right. Well, that That's like, what, 10 years before? Or right, right. Whatever. So, um, so it's presumed that part four, it takes place in the present day. Right. And then part five also presumably takes place in the present day. Yet. Yet Tommy has aged like 10 years. <laughs> I know. It doesn't make any <laughs> it sense. It makes no And that's sense. how the movie starts. Yeah. Um, and it just doesn't. Uh, and, and there's and, so much to this movie that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, and another thing about this this opening with, with Corey Feldman is that it, it feels like such a cheap trick because Jason is dug up. He, he, he wakes up, he's alive, he's killing again. And it was all a dream. Jason Voorhees is not in this movie. Yes. Not in the rest of the movie. Right. It's, it's like, and we haven't watched this yet, and I do really like this movie, but it's like Halloween three season of the witch that doesn't have Michael Myers in it. This is a Jason, yeah. this is a Friday the thirteenth without Jason in it. Yeah, which you know, the first one was too. But it's, it's different. It's, I know it's it's different. Well, I th- I think the thing that's unnerving about this, so for thinking about production, um, the music does not fit. He's like Corey Feldman is like slowly like not slowly, but like methodically tromping through the woods or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's raining. The music is so fast paced. It's like, dun, 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 dun. Mm. and he's going, but he's like moving so slow. So that threw me off at first. And then like the read of it, like the look of it, when those kids are like digging up the body, is it, I, I thought I was watching like a Steven Spielberg movie, mm. like, uh, like stand by me or something like with like the kids. And it like became somehow more fantasy feeling. I don't, did you get that vibe at all? I mean, nothing about this movie felt like it was in touch with reality. Right. That's what I mean. It was yeah. like, ah. Um, and, and it's really incredible how just watching these two movies back to back, we liked the characters in the original. Right. Um, but here, this, I mean, it's only been five years, but these are all stereotypes. These are all one-dimensional oh my gosh uh, even when yeah when they get to the like oh, let's just call it a, is it a funny farm is it like it's a farm out in the woods for somewhere troubled for kids. troubled kids um with mental handicaps emotional issues mm-hmm. things like that and it's just unwatchable like yeah it's you really i don't know really if bad. they were trying to like do um a one flew over the cuckoo's nest, or did you look and see when was yeah, Dream so Warriors? Interestingly enough, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three: Dream Warriors came out two years after this. After this, yes. Okay. So it's not even like a cheap knockoff of that, even though it feels that way. Yeah, I thought they maybe Just wanted to involve more Dream Warriors. Does it right? Like there, you yeah. have characters who so feel yeah. like real people. And here you just don't. Um, you have Reggie the Reckless, who uh, he's just angry. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have Violet the Punk. Um, You're doing the robot. Doing the oh robot. my gosh, that scene lasts way too long. <laughs> yeah, but that that robot is the 
best special effect in this movie, though. <laughs> it that is. was one of my favorite parts. The, so, yeah, the, again, going back to the music, the music doesn't do it for me in this movie. It strays so far from the, like, whether we would call it a ripoff or homage. It mm-hmm. totally tweaks it. I, I feel like maybe I'm just not hearing it right, but it doesn't sound the, like the original, like, kill, 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 kill. Yeah. Sounds different. Um, it's it just as a movie it feels even production wise feels so far removed from the original. Yeah, like all the things we said we liked about it are completely stripped and gone. Even the kill scenes, mm-hmm. there's really no practical special effects for most kill scenes because there's cutaways. It'll show a bloody weapon, yeah. and then somebody screaming, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And also the kills are so weightless because you know for much of the movie we're introduced to people who are just killed right away. Yeah, so, so like they're the given one scene. Greaser, rockabilly, stranded on the side of the road. Yeah, tough I've, guy, leather jacket boys. I had forgotten all about those guys until you mentioned them before <laughs> we started so to record. Ridiculous. Because they just die right, right yeah. away. And I can't remember if it's them or somebody else in a car who gets their throat slit. Perfect opportunity to show a great like throat slitting uh-huh. one, but the knife just. Barely grazes across the throat. There's a cutaway, and then he leans back, and then there's just like the makeup blood. There's no mm. squirting. There's no nothing. Mm. And I was I was really mad. The only I think um, saving grace was where I think it's the greaser. Yeah, it's one of the greaser guys that gets a um, what is it called? Those little roadside torches. Oh, the flare. Called? The flare gets shoved in his yeah. mouth. Yeah. That was I, interesting. I liked that one. Yeah. And I was like, oh, finally. There's yeah. a, that's what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, if, do we want to do like a symbolic read of that? The guy's <laughs> got to get a flare shoved in his mouth. I, but, <clears throat> but, I mean, all of the kill scenes are like that. Just a total letdown. Yeah. And alongside the kill scenes being... Except for the s- reckless guy. Uh, like him chopping the dude in the back, and then you actually see the body kind of chopped up. That's okay. What do you mean the reckless guy? Uh, the um, the angry guy who's like chopping wood in the oh, very beginning. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that's okay. Like, seeing the kid get hit in the back, and then like when they uncover the body, and the guy's just like, well, this is a bad one, or whatever he says. <laughs> um, here you wanna... And then the other paramedic just can't even look. Because yeah. it's his son. <laughs> yes. And so that's that's the reveal at the end is that it's really this paramedic who whose son was killed at the camp. And so now he is on a rampage to kill just anybody. Yeah. Like it's not even just the kids. You don't get no, that. Yeah. It, it there's no rhyme or reason to this. And so it's it's a letdown because it's not Jason and We've mentioned before uh, in our last Friday the 13th episode, there's something really effective about Jason as a Jason Voorhees as a monster Mm -hmm. and we don't get it here. And the fact that they tease us with Jason at the beginning and then with Tommy's visions, Mm -hmm. it's so frustrating because it just reminds us of the better monster in other movies. I want to see it. You know what? I would have rather this movie been about the, the, bumpkin mother and son i want it i want more her really She's just like foul mouthed yelling so just like forced it was awful it was painful yeah every and the, like her son like eating the stew yeah like, <laughs> I just, 
It was so it. painful. Um, and, and you know, we, we have seen a hillbilly character, I think, used effectively. And that was in Evil Dead 2. Yes. You know, the guy with the overalls. Like, mm-hmm. he was so he was okay. He was mm-hmm. fine. Uh, but here, it's it's so Rides over up the on top. a dirt bike. So Mad about the kids having sex in her lawn. Dumb. <laughs> That it was it was painful. Everything about this movie was so. I mean, and the continuity and dumb. aside, yeah, I can't give it a production point. Kill no. scenes are let down. The writing doesn't make sense. The characters aren't developed. Yeah, case closed. Well, one final thing: the gratuitous nudity is and laughable. So that, it's well, insane. And, and you would think. In Friday the 13th, you can expect some nudity, but this is over the top. Even for Friday the 13th, it just makes no sense. Yeah. So, my, I mean, this may, it's not my favorite scene because it's so dumb, but (laughs) I at least admire, I at least admire the scene in which the waitress is all by herself and, 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 there's a scene of nudity. I admire it because it acknowledges that this is trash. Like this is a trash <laughs> garbage movie um, because she's all by herself. She looks in the mirror and she says, it's showtime. And then just flashes herself. <laughs> there's no reason for this. And the, the guy who, whoever she's like, yeah, whatever whoever she's with out doing coke in the car yeah. talking to himself yeah like. <laughs> like that scene works because it doesn't work on such a fundamental level mm-hmm. it's it's like the room or it's like oh, other so, yeah. hilariously bad movies but unfortunately even those moments are few and far between yes. because so much of this movie is just not enjoyable yeah man we're just still in just production. I um, know. So oh, I no think we got a lot that. of our complaints. Yeah, now. monster quality. Same thing. We've kind of already aired our grievances yeah. about that. It wants to play on the ar- so many of those archetypes that we liked in the first one, but doesn't even come close. Yeah, it really wants to be a mystery. Um, mm-hmm. Like it, it kind of sets up these characters to all be like possible, like the possible killer, like Tommy is kind of suffering from PTSD or something. Yeah. Um, so maybe he's the one killing, um, or maybe the guy who just comes up to the hillbilly lady and says, Oh, clean your chicken coop for dinner. Yeah. He's just this random guy in the woods. Yeah. And so I think they're trying to add suspense by having these mysterious characters, but Totally it doesn't work. Flat. It totally falls flat. And that would be <clears throat> that would be that's a really interesting idea. That would be a really great thing for monster quality. Is like who is Jason? Is like the killer lives inside all of us. Like that kind yeah. of idea, but doesn't happen in this right. movie. Um, so monster quality, I can't even give it a point. No. And this is another movie where it, it's a flaw of the first one as well. Once the killer is mm-hmm. revealed. Um, or once we we start to actually see the killer, they become completely incompetent. Mm -hmm. Because when we finally see Jason, um, he he sees a bulldozer coming from like (laughs) 30 yards away. (laughs) And he just stands there 
and lets himself get hit. And it's absurd. It it is well, and not to mention it's a young boy in a red track suit, yeah. sweatsuit, whatever, who figures out how to start that tractor, first yeah. of all. Um, I don't know if I know enough about tractors <laughs> to get one of those started. But then yeah, just runs them over. Yeah. So it's and he's not that's the thing, and he's not Jason. So why is he able to get up from these things? Right. Is it just the the rage that fuels him from the death of his son? It must be. Dude, I don't. So zero for this. Zero for monster quality. In that, like, yeah, let's just jump to scare factor. I'm zero for scare factor for the. I'm gonna say for the bulldozer Mm -hmm. because that's not scary at all. And then. I'm going to say because the ending makes no sense to me still. We even yes. rewatched it here before recording, and I still don't understand what happens. It makes no sense. There's a dream sequence. Where Tommy yeah. kills Pam. Um, but then when, it makes no sense when that dream starts. Is it when Pam is being told the EMT is the killer? Is it... Uh, when she first enters the room and then it's a dream sequence uh, because then we see her walking down the hall and entering the room later. And so it just, it makes no sense. Um, and he, he's waking up in that room and the, and the hockey mask is in there. Yeah. Why is the hockey with mask with a there? kitchen knife? I, I don't, I have no idea. And I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not scary at all. Everything yeah. is laughable about this movie. Looks like we got another one from Top Bar 30 Dice. We do. I'm not going to give a point for this. And also something that's really disappointing is that several of those kills we've seen before. Like when the woman is in the top bunk and she's stabbed from underneath the bed, we saw that in the first one. Mm-hmm. And so they can't even make the kills original. So it's just such a disappointment on any level on every level it's one of those movies that has me questioning why we even do this yeah, I know. <laughs> because there are so many other good movies we could be watching but we're watching this well i, I told and, and i told the uh, kristen that you had said that uh kristen my wife and uh she she said well you guys are just really terrible about like you guys are just really terrible at drawing from that hat so i yeah. said well why don't you come in Next time, and you draw from the hat. So I think we should have Sarah Beth and Kristen draw from the hat. Uh, yeah, next I, time. I think that's a good idea. Um, we're, we're pretty bad at this. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will say, um, next time will be in 2017 when we have another Friday the 13th. <laughs> so it's going to be a while. Okay. But you know what? I'm, I'm good with I'm taking take a, a very long break just, from the franchise. Just let, that, just let the original stay. Yeah. Down. Okay, so right. that's it. We have one for the canon and one for Paul Paul's Dirty Diaper. Yeah. Um, let's talk about next time. So next time, or actually, before we talk about next time, I want to talk about um, a book that um, that a friend gave to me that uh, I finally got a chance to look at. It's just called The Book of Lists, and it's horror. It's by Amy Wallace, Del Howison, and Scott Bradley. And all it is is it is just a collection of lists like the one we're making um, from various uh uh, people in horror so whether it's actors or directors or uh, special effects people it's really great but it covers everything from um, movies themselves from uh, all decades and eras up to uh, video games and things like that so i want to play a game with you real quick okay 
want to play a game. Um, so this has, and we've talked about some of these before. These are original titles of 15 horror films and then their actual title. So like what they were before. So I'm going to okay. read you the title of what it was called originally and you tell me what it is called Okay, now. okay. Okay, you want to try? Yeah. Um, so you'll know this one just to practice. Orgy of the Blood Parasites. Shivers? Yes. All right. Okay. You ready for a real one? Okay. The Babysitter Murders. Halloween. Yes. Yes. I need that one. Um, head Cheese. Head Cheese? Head Cheese. The Hellraiser? No. No. Think I... about what Head Cheese is. <laughs> it's going to make sense. What? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Kind of like butcher, like okay, yeah. I'm uh, glad they changed it. Yeah, <laughs> um, Star Beast, uh, Alien. Yes. Yeah. Um, scary movie. There is a movie called Scary Movie. I know, but this is where, and this is where Scary Movie. Why that's called Scary Movie? I'm guessing. Really? Yeah. Uh, Scream. Scream. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. Wow, you got all of those. That's awesome. Well, I didn't get Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's great. I didn't get Head Cheese. And there's some, there's some more in there, but those are the kind of the most, most interesting. Obvious. It's fun. No, that was fun. Oh, uh, okay. Cool one more, one more. Network of Blood. Network of Blood. Video drum. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's great. Good. All right. Let's talk about. Uh, so next time. Well, actually, I'm going to interrupt this time. Hmm. Um, so Eric and I have. Uh, as as we have mentioned, have, we've been reading Men, Women, and Chainsaws by Carol J. Clover. And I really recommend the book. I think it's really fascinating. And so I, I propose that we add a new category to our canon of books or maybe even documentaries or, or, or just like nonfiction informative pieces uh, that enhance our enjoyment of horror. Okay. And so I, I propose that men, women, and chainsaws Absolutely. be included in this new category. Okay. Yeah. So we'll try to come up with a name. Yeah. And, and we don't necessarily need to make like a rubric for this, but I think these can just be recommendations that we have mm -hmm. um, that I think any fan of horror would benefit. Can from. we call it the Bibliodrome? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. exactly what it's called. Cool. Sorry, I just had Videodrome. No, from my last that's name. amazing. Okay. Bibliodrome. Bibliodrome. Okay, perfect. <laughs> now, let's talk about next week. So what are we watching? Well, uh, it is our end of the school year special. Um, this will be the last episode of this school year. So it's kind of an important event. And so we are going to go with uh, an important milestone in horror, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Or Head Cheese. Head Cheese. Aren't you glad you know that now? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we're going to watch the original and mm -hmm. also the second one. Yes. Oh, can't wait. So I'm pretty excited. Yep. All uh, right. Because, and, and we're doing the second one because that's recently been re-released on Blu-ray mm -hmm. um, as of what, mid-April? Yeah, out. yeah, it just <clears throat> came out. So yeah. So that's really exciting. So next time 
uh, be prepared to go to the Lone Star State <laughs> and have yourself a big helping of head cheese. Head cheese. Well, that's it. All right. Well, check us out uh, next time. Uh, you can look at more episodes on unoiasolstice.com. That's E-U-N-O-I-A-S-O-L-S-T-I-C-E.com. Also, please check out the Outrider podcast for interviews with writers and authors. Pencils down. The terror test is over. <laughs>